0: You guys, Pastor David here. Uh, welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you have uh, found us, that you're joining us today. We're a community of authentic, spirit-led, Christ-followers transformed to walk in victory. That is our vision here at Victory Church, and that is what we're praying will become a reality for us as a church here at Victory. So I'm glad that you guys found us. I'm glad that you're joining us today, and we're excited about kicking off this sermon here in just a moment. Man, how many people in here know that God has a sense of humor? You know that? Man, I'm going to tell you something. If you didn't know that, God has a sense of humor, man. I'm going to tell you right now. Like, even this week, as uh, this, this topic that we're going to be diving into together, which is in the waiting. Like, I've had this plan for weeks now. God put this on my heart weeks ago. And then when I finally get to this week where I'm about to really start doing some deep preparation for the sermon, going to be giving it, which now I am, um, God just like, started putting on the forefront of my mind all of these things in my life. He just, like, ramped these things up that I've been waiting on. And there's tons of things, man, things in the church, things in uh, this other side job that I do, things in my own personal life, that he's just kind of ramped these things up. And, and it's almost like he, he kind of ramped these things up as a way to show me, David, you really need to be working on this right now in your own life a lot. And I want to be honest with you, man, me and God, we went back and forth on this. Like this week, it, it was, I really struggled with this this week. And uh, just being honest. And, and you know, I, I was kind of talking to God, having these different conversations with him. And one of the conversations that I had with him was, it kind of went something like this. God, how do you expect me to get up here in front of all of these people, in front of your people, and talk about what we're supposed to do in these seasons of waiting when I am struggling with this myself right now? How do you expect me to do that? And what God so lovingly reminded me of is that I'm not the one that's supposed to be doing the preaching. He is. I'm just the broken vessel that for whatever reason, I have no clue, he chooses to use right now. He essentially told me, David, I'm not just preaching to part of the congregation. I'm preaching to the entire congregation. And that includes you. And that's true all of the time. All the time, man. In fact, any of the life-changing preaching and teaching that happens in this house, I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't coming from me. It ain't coming from me. It's coming from God. And he is making, molding, and teaching me at the same time that he is making, molding, and teaching you. And I love that. I love that. You can blame me for any of the mistakes that are made, but you can give him all the honor, the praise, and the glory for any transformation or any teaching that happens. Because, again, that ain't coming from me. That's coming from him. And these moments when I was kind of struggling with this this week, and I was like, God, what do you want us, what do you want me to do in these seasons of waiting? What God kept on reminding me of is the fact that in the waiting, he is still fighting for your good. That's our big idea today. In the waiting, God is still fighting for your good. And no matter what you may be struggling with, no matter what you may be waiting on in your own life personally, you may not have the answers or the solutions, but I'm going to tell you something. You can know the one that does. And for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, even through the doubt, the frustration, um, you know, whatever may come our way, the confusion, we can know even in the waiting that God, our God is still fighting for our good. And guess what? He will never stop. He will never stop. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we don't have to have all the answers, all the solutions but that we can lean on you knowing that you are in control and that you have those answers, you have those solutions, that you love us, that you have a good plan for our lives, that you will never leave us. And God, I just thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us, buying our salvation and our freedom, God. And no matter what this world throws at us, we can know for certain that we are loved, cherished, and valued by you, and that we have a home and paradise waiting with you. I thank you so much for that. God, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds, that you convict us, that you convict me, that you teach me, God. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you flood into this place, that you take over this sermon. This is yours. Thank you. Help us to feel you tangible. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So As we dive into this topic today um, in the waiting, we're going to be diving into the life of a man and really an entire nation that was going through this very thing, a very deep, dark season of waiting. And uh, they were waiting on God for answers. They were waiting on God to move. And they were really kind of left wondering, like, what in the world are we supposed to do now? And uh, the guy that we're going to be diving into, his name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the most godly kings that the nation of Judah ever had. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't perfect by any means, but this guy honestly loved God, and he honestly wanted to do what was right in God's eyes. And so this man, Hezekiah, he, um, he, when he, during his reign, he actually they got invaded by the nation of Assyria. And, and one thing we have to understand about the nation of Assyria, these guys were very brutal. They were known for the brutality, very, very brutal people. And at this point in time, the story that we're about to catch up with, what had happened so far is these guys, the Assyrians, they had taken over 46 walled cities. They had taken 200,150 people captive. And on on top of that, they had also taken tons of possessions. So they had done all of this stuff. And then what happens is the king of Assyria actually sends these three officials, three of his lead officials, along with a giant army, to the very heart of this nation of Judah which is the city of Jerusalem. And when they get right outside of that city, these three lead officials of the king of Syria they go out kind of in front of the army like they typically do to meet three of King Hezekiah's lead officials. And what's happening in this moment, they're not there to kind of take over that city right then and there. What they're doing, this is called a show of force. They're basically to say, hey, we're here, we're big, we're bad, we're here, and we're going to take over, there's nothing that you can do about it. So as they're kind of conversing these guys back and forth, what, what's happening is these Assyrian officials, they actually start talking really loudly, like intentionally, because they're not just trying to talk to these officials of Hezekiah. They're trying to they want everybody with an earshot to hear exactly what they're saying. Even the people within this city, within the city walls, they're talking in Hebrew. And what they're saying is, they're talking about all the things that they've done, all the destruction, the havoc, the, the cities that they've taken over, the people that they've taken captive, the possessions, and they're saying we're gonna do the exact same thing. Thing to you and there's nothing you can do about it we've taken over all these kings over all these nations all these gods we're going to do the same thing to you and they're mocking king hezekiah and they're mocking god right in front of all of these people then after that king hezekiah's three officials they go back to king hezekiah and they report what has just happened they tell him that they've just mocked you right in front of all of your people and they mocked god as well Let's check out what King Hezekiah's response was right after this in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, which says, When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. In other words, Hezekiah was distraught, man. He was completely distraught. He didn't know what to do, which way to turn. He didn't have an answer. He didn't have a solution. I mean, he had no clue what was going on. He didn't have a time frame. For anything that was about to happen and this guy has just been thrust into one of the biggest seasons of waiting the biggest season of waiting that he's ever felt but i'm going to tell you something a bigger season of waiting that you and i have ever or will ever feel because this guy has an entire nation's future on his shoulders imagine that an entire nation and he knows man he knows that these assyrians are brutal they are known for the brutality of the very cruel people which means that when they come to this city to take over they're going, to take every, they're going to kill or take captive every man, woman, or child unless God does something. And there is nothing that King Hezekiah this nation of Judah can stop them. They're too big. They're too powerful. They need a miracle from God in order to stop these people. And he, he knows that. He's just been thrust into a very deep, dark season of waiting. And, and as we read this text, the question that's kind of generated is, what's something that you've been waiting on in your own life? What's the season of waiting that you've been going through? And really the better question is, what have you been doing during that season of waiting? In this verse that we just read, King Hezekiah actually gives us an incredible picture of what every single one of us is called to do in our moments, and our seasons of waiting. And that is to cry out to God, to call out, to cry out to God for understanding, for peace, for comfort. To know that, that he is going to take care of you no matter what may come your way. To know that he loves you, he has not left you, he will never leave you. And even in those moments when you feel like there's no hope, in those moments when you feel like, I'll never get out of this season waiting, that he is still fighting for your good. I'm going to tell you something, man, he loves you. He has a good plan for your life, and not even hell can stop his plan from becoming a reality. Nothing can. As a child of God, he will never stop making you, molding you, growing you, and using you. And oftentimes it's these seasons of waiting that God uses to help prepare us for what lies ahead. Preparing us. And something else he does during these seasons of waiting is he's getting us to this point in our life. We were completely 100% dependent upon him and nothing else. And that's exactly what he's doing for King Hezekiah in these moments as well. And as we continue in this story, God actually ends up responding to King Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, don't worry. I'm right here with you. I love you. I have not left you. I have a plan to send this king of Assyria all the way back to the land that he came from. And the text tells us he's going to die as a sword that's god's response to king hezekiah in this moment but then soon after this king hezekiah actually gets another response but this one comes from the assyrian king it's a letter that he gives to hezekiah and he's threatening hezekiah and the nation of judah all over again let's check this out this letter in second kings chapter 19 verses 10 through 13 which says say to hezekiah king of judah do not let the god you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them, the gods of Gazan, Haran, Resef, and the people of Eden who were in Telazar? Where was the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Lar and Sepharivim, Hena, and Iva? So in these moments of waiting, what's going on? is king, Hezekiah, he's left with this... This decision, this choice, he can choose to give in to the lies and the deceptions of the world, which at this moment in time is the Assyrians. Or he can choose to trust God, even through the lies, through the deception, through the chaos, through the noise, through the distractions, no matter what anybody else may say or anybody else may do, he can choose to trust God. And guys, as Christians, when we are in our moments, our seasons of waiting, we're left with the same exact choice. We can choose to give in to the lies and the deception of the world around us. We can choose to trust God no matter what may happen. Even in those moments where we feel like we may never get out of it, when the world tries to lie to us and say that we're all by ourselves, that God has left us, we can still choose to trust God no matter what happens or what anybody else may say. And for us as Christians, guys, even through the waiting, we can know without a doubt that our situations and our struggles in this life, they may be big and powerful, but I'm going to tell you something. Our God is bigger and more powerful than anything else that you will ever face in this life. Anything. God has not forgotten you. He has not left you. He loves you. He has a good plan for your life. And when you honestly understand that, and when you honestly believe that with all of your heart, then you can boldly declare, even in the waiting, that my God is still fighting for my good and absolutely nothing can stop him. Nothing. And as we keep on diving into this story, we see that's exactly what King Hezekiah Was thinking as well. That's exactly what was on his mind as he was reading this letter and these threats from the Assyrians. Let's check out what King Hezekiah's response was in in verses 14 through 19. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth Give ear, Lord, and Lord our God, deliver us from His hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that You alone, Lord are God, in this prayer, man, King Hezekiah is essentially calling out the fact that these guys have been relying on their own strength and their own fake, false gods. And even though King Hezekiah, he knows and he understands the fact that these guys are bigger and more powerful than he is. There is absolutely nothing he can do alone to stop these guys. He also knows that God is bigger and more powerful than anything that we will ever face. In this life, man, nothing else can stand in his way. You may be going through something in your life that you think is bigger than God, too big for God to handle, but I'm going to tell you something. Nothing is impossible for the God of the impossible. He breaks through impossible situations as if they're nothing more than doors made of paper. And I love what happens next in this story as we keep on diving into this. See, after this, God actually responds to King Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah again. And what he's doing, he's he's telling him, look, I still haven't left you. I'm right here. Don't be afraid. And frankly speaking, God is ticked at this Assyrian king in these moments. He is ticked at him. And what that shows us, man, is no matter what's going on in your life, no matter the the season of waiting that you're going through right now, God loves you. He has not left you. He knows exactly what's going on. He, He does not miss a beat. He hears everything that's happening. He has not left you. He won't leave you, and he cares for you. You may be in a season where you can't even see the next step that you're supposed to take. But guys, God not only sees the next step, he sees the entire path that we're supposed to take. And he's leading us all the way to the finish line where he can lovingly embrace us and tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. As a child of God, you are his baby boy or his baby girl. And I'm gonna tell you something, there is nothing that you or anybody else can ever do to make him stop fighting for your good. And I think every father in this room probably understands what I mean when I say, man, you can mess with me, but don't mess with my kids, man. better not mess with my kids. And I'm gonna tell you something, man, that's exactly what God feels whenever somebody messes with you and me as his baby boys and his baby girls. Let's check out God's response to this king of Assyria and what's going on here in verse 25. He says, have you not heard Long ago I ordained it, In days of old I planned it out. Now I have brought it to pass that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. And I love this because what God is doing, he's calling this dude out. He's basically saying, who in the world does this dude think he is? Man, you only conquered all this stuff. You only took over all these cities and captured all these people because I knew that it was going to happen long ago. I did it because I allowed it to happen, or you did it because I allowed it to happen. Not because you did it on your own. You didn't do anything that I didn't already know you were going to do. Who in the world does this dude think he is, is essentially what God is saying in these moments. Let's check out what he says next in verse 27. But I know where you are and when you come and go and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. And I will make you return by the way you came. Keep on down to verse 34. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Man, I don't know about you, but I would not want to be this Assyrian king right now. This dude don't mess with the God of the universe's kids. There ain't no way I'd want to be this guy. And he thinks he can get away with it. And this this story keeps on getting better because just when we think, that King Hezekiah and this entire nation of Jews that are about to get wiped out. Like there's no hope for these guys. They're just about to get wiped out by this huge, powerful nation of Assyria. That's when God comes down. He's about to come down and do something that's gonna just blow people's minds for centuries to come. I love it. Let's dive into this and see what happens, what God does in verses 35 through 36. It says, That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death a hundred and eighty-five thousand in the Assyrian camp. Now, hold up a second. Man, if you've been daydreaming or, or like sleeping or something, you better wake up, man. You better wake up. Don't miss what, what's about to happen here, what I just said. Let's, let's read this again. Verse 35, that night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all dead bodies. So of king of the Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. And something we gotta understand about this text that we read, when, when it says, when it mentions the angel of the Lord, this is pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, man. Jesus, in other words, God is not only comforting the entire nation of Judah and Hezekiah back here and saying, I love you, it's okay. I'm, I'm right here, I'm not gonna leave you. Not only is he doing that, but he has gone up ahead of them fighting the fight that they can't fight and winning the battle that they cannot win. And God didn't just send down a legion of angels to take care of this for him. Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, went down by himself and straight up took down 185,000 Assyrian soldiers by himself. And he won that battle for his people. Guys, this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus Christ has done for every single one of us as Christians on the cross at Calvary, where he won the battle that we could never win. It's only because of Jesus, not because of us. And in these seasons of waiting, we can remind ourselves that what what our soul is truly longing for and waiting for isn't the solution or the answer to our momentary here and now issue. What your soul is truly waiting for is the home that you were created for. And that home doesn't exist here and now. It exists in heaven with your heavenly father. And no matter what this life, this world may throw at you, never forget that God is fighting for your good. And he is leading you all the way home. He will never stop leading you home. Several years ago um, in my life, I had hit a point. It was kind of my rock bottom. Um, It was the culmination of a lot of, mostly bad decisions that I made, different things that had happened to me, bad decisions from other people, but mostly bad decisions that I had made in my life. And I hit this kind of rock bottom point, and I didn't know what to do. I knew I needed God, um, but, but I didn't know what to do. And, and so I went to my senior pastor at the time, and I talked to him. I just kind of laid all this stuff out there. This dude's probably thinking, oh, my goodness, this dude is, he is messed up. And uh, so I went there, and I was, I was wanting answers. I, wanted, I was wanting some kind of a solution. What do I do, Right? And I'm thinking this guy's gonna give me some answers. I'm gonna know what to do. And I'll never forget it. I went in there, I told him all this stuff that was going on, and he didn't give me a single answer. He didn't give me a single solution. You know what he told me? I mean, I guess he kind of gave me an answer. He said, You need to go out and just get alone with God. Go to a place where nobody else is, like out in the middle of the woods somewhere, where there's no distractions. Talk to God, and then you need to listen. And that's what he told me. I'm gonna be honest with you. I left there frustrated. I was thinking, this dude is a pastor. He's supposed to tell me what to do, man. What is going on? But at the same time, I knew, that, I knew that he was right. I knew I needed God. I knew God was the one who had the answers. And so I did that. I went out. I got uh, to this place. I was just surrounded by these woods. There was this big open space. And uh, in this open space that I was at, there was this, this stump that was kind of sitting to the side. And so, man, when I got there, I just I just started laying it out there. I mean, I just started talking nonstop, just telling them all these things that happened, all the things that I've done. I'm so sorry, God, for the things I've done. God, why did you let this happen? Why did this person do this? God, I'm sorry for what I did here. God, what do I do next? Which way do I turn? What person do I go to? What am I supposed to do? Give me an answer. Give me a solution. Give me something. God, I don't know what to do. I feel stuck. What am I supposed to do? And I just kept on going back and forth for like probably 45 minutes at least, nonstop like that, man. Nonstop, And um, after, I don't know, like I said, about 45 minutes or so, I started kind of feeling this heavy feeling coming over me. And when that started happening, all of a sudden, I just started kind of relaxing a little bit more, and the thoughts stopped coming as much. I stopped talking as much, and the heaviness kind of got heavier and heavier. And then I got to this point where I really wanted to sit down. And so I, I remember there was a stump over here, so I go to the stump, I go kind of sit down at this stump. And as I sit down, all of a sudden, the heaviness just like kind of comes over me even, even more. And in those moments, it didn't take long at all to where there's not any thoughts come in. I'm not saying a single word. I'm just relaxed, thinking about anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm just sitting there, just looking around. And I noticed it was actually really pretty in the place that I was at. And it just seemed so peaceful. And then after a little bit of time, I'm just sitting there just kind of peaceful all of a sudden something comes into my head and it's kind of slow at first soft and subtle and then all of a sudden it gets louder and louder and louder and louder and louder to what I can't think of anything else nothing else this is completely taken over like every fiber of my being it's like nothing else exists And I'm like, oh my goodness. And as this is coming in, I'm getting flooded with more and more peace. I'm getting flooded. I'm just like feeling happy and joyful. I'm like, what is going on? And this is awesome. And I don't know what this is. I don't know if I've ever heard this before. Somebody told us if I read. I don't know. It sounds like something maybe in the Bible, but I don't know. And then I go, I had my car parked a little ways away. So I think I like ran to my car or something. I was like, man, this is awesome. I got to find out what this is. I get to my car. I either had a Bible or a phone. I don't remember, but I pulled out whatever it was. I looked this up, and I'm thinking, I got to find out what this is. It was one statement. And that was that I wasn't thinking of anything else. I couldn't think of anything else. It was like nothing else existed. So I pull it out and there it is. Word for word. It was a verse. It was actually part of a verse. In Psalm 46. And what I found out later, I didn't know it at the time. But Psalm 46 was written by King Hezekiah in light of the battle we just talked about. He was the one who wrote that. And it was there in verse 10, the very first part of that verse. He told me, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And guys. But when I left that day, I didn't have a single answer. None. I didn't have an answer. I didn't have a solution. I didn't, nothing. God gave me nothing else except for that one statement. But I'm going to tell you something. I left that day with more peace than I have ever had in my entire life. Ever. Because I didn't need answers. I didn't need solutions. I needed God. I needed God. And in those moments, in those seasons of waiting, what God longs for us, for you and for me to do more than anything else, is to simply be still. And know that he is God. Know that he's in control. That he loves you. He will never stop loving you. He's not left you. He will never leave you. And even in the waiting, still, fighting for you. Worship team, you guys can come on up. You know, a lot of us in this room, probably just about everybody in here, you have a pulse or waiting for something. I'm not sure what it is. God knows. And we have a saying in here, we said at the beginning, we believe 100%, and the Word tells us, all over the place, it shows us Jesus Christ meets us where we're at. And He will save you where you are at. No matter what's going on in your life, God loves you. And a lot of times what happens is these, these seasons of waiting, they can cause frustration, they can cause doubt that will try to build that, God, that will be built up in our life. And what it does, is it kind of it, it forms this wall between us and God. But when you cry out to him in those moments, when you, were, you just allow yourself to be still and know that he is God, you may not understand what's going on, you may not have the answers or the solutions, but you can know the one that does. And you can know that he loves you, that he is in control, and he will never stop fighting for your good, no matter what's going on. And if you're going through that in your life right now, you've, you've felt this wall kind of being built up between you and God, and you've, this confusion and this frustration, I want to encourage you cry out to him today. Allow him to tear that wall down. There's nothing that he can't tear down. There is nothing impossible for the God and the impossible. Nothing. Or if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus that we've been talking about, again, he will meet you where you're at. He will save you where you're at. It's not about what you've done or what, you know, you will do. It's about what Jesus Christ has already done and what he will do. Again, cry out he loves you i would love to talk to you i'd love to pray with you Uh, i'm going to go and encourage everybody to stand we're going to worship together one last song but before you leave today if god is putting anything on your heart convicting you of anything i want to encourage you don't leave here today without responding to him he loves you so much the altar's open and i'd love to pray with you you can pray right where you're at hey guys first off i just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon and uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I, just want, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I want to encourage you to, to respond in some way today because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we um, whatever it may, may be, the point of that is, um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already. Then the way that we can respond is just by you know asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon? The way that you're speaking to me, what do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. And I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's, um, you know, some unbelief that you've had, and and God has really convicted you of some things, um, you know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and step in His direction. And the other thing too is if if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word, repent, all that means is just to turn from you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires. You know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life God and turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. And it's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key. It's so important. It's seen all throughout um, in that book and Acts, and and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's the symbol of death to the old self, and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ. And we're 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self, and we are raised with Christ to to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you, first and foremost, to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So. Uh, I encourage you to do those things we would love to talk with you we are praying for you I want you to know that you were loved and you were prayed for so if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ um, and if you want to take that next step with us then we are we we would welcome you with open arms and so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you Uh, please check that out Um, and again if you if you have any prayer requests um, please contact us we'd love to pray with you we'd love to talk with you and we're excited about taking this next step with you with you.